Welcome to the CDC Podcast, Minisode 16. With me this time is Red Angel, because I apparently can't pronounce her real name. Hooray! In case you don't know, what we're doing here is we want to highlight some games that we feel aren't getting the critical attention they deserve for whatever reason that may be. The hope is that one of you intrepid listeners will sort that out by playing the game and writing about it and bringing the attention that we feel they deserve. The games mentioned here will range from itch.io art games to prestige level indie games right on up through AAA games that fell through the cracks. There's a whole lot out there, so let's start. Miss Angel, you're first. All right. Today I would like to talk about a very lovely game called Milkmaid of the Milky Way. It's a classic point-and-click adventure style game where you are this milkmaid in 1920s Norway who's lost her mother and her father and is trying to run this milk farm by herself. The game is told in a rhyming limerick style, sort of. So whenever you click on something, she usually rhymes what she says. Think how Child of Light did it a little, but a lot less fairy tale-esque and a lot more just as a matter of fact language. And the game starts out with you having to go find your milk, the milk pail, because it mysteriously disappeared. So you go and you find it, and then strange things start happening. And that's where the game really picks up. And it is such an obscure game that there is only 121 reviews of it on Steam, and it's been out since January of this year. Such is the fate of indie games. Right now, as of me talking about it, it is $2.99 on Steam. For because of the October sale, but normally it's $5.99, so it won't break your wallet. And the music and the gameplay, if you really like point-and-click adventure games and you like a kind of a strange style of storytelling with the pixel art and the music that sounds really calming but also has a bit of a strange hint to it because there's some alien action going on There's because it is Milkmaid of the Milky Way. So some strange things start happening with a meteorite falling and all your stuff going missing. But it's such a well-crafted game that if you really like just this point-and-click adventure style or pixel art or just anything that reminds you of just exploring a new world that you might not know anything about, I'd highly recommend this. It's such a wonderful treat to see something that seems so small in scale suddenly expand into this wonderful blooming narrative about this girl who might have to sell her farm and has to deal with the fact that the world around her is changing and maybe she doesn't belong on this world anymore. So when you say and weirdness happens, are we like talking Lynchian, psychedelia? We're talking... At first, it's the pail going missing and your tools going missing. And then it starts to progress and say, oh, there's this giant meteorite rock. I'll take this part and I'll try to light a fire later. And then it goes from that to, why are these lights outside my house in the middle of the night? And her exploring and finding, it start, starts to get X-Files-esque spooky alien stuff. And you establishing that maybe she's not alone and maybe, I would say, I don't want to say, it's not psychedelic. It's more of a progressing mystery into a different type of world than what she's used to. Okay, I just clicked on the link you sent me. It says like, oh, this is a very clean style of art. 
Yeah. I, I'm trying to think what this reminds me of. It's very um, Swiss Alps. Yeah. It's a, well, because it takes place in 1920s Norway. And seeing an alien craft in the fjord in 1920s Norway isn't exactly normal. <laughs> what else? Is, is it just like the weirdness and the mystery that attracts you to it? Or is there like something something else in there? I have a weakness for games that take place in the mundane world and then progress into something different. It's I am that, and I'm a big alien person. I love when games go, go everything's normal, aliens now. It's like, oh. But I really like the idea of this mundane life she's living because I am all about a character that's just living this normal existence. And their lives progressing, and you learn about their lives through their journals or through their thoughts. And then something happens that creates this narrative of them becoming something more than they ever thought that they would. Not like a chosen one narrative, because it's more of a, I just so happened to stumble across this narrative. And maybe I can become better as a person, or become, or go and do something greater. Any narrative... Any game that starts you off as a normal person, but not giving you, like, lasers or anything, but just has some weird happenstance, just works for me, generally, as a person. So her just being a milkmaid and having this normal life and it progressing into something else is just fascinating. And how they tell the story is just, I love it. I love it so much. So, on the scale of Telltale to Cat Mustache, how adventure gamey is this? Okay. Not Cat Mustache levels and not Telltale levels. It's like, it's in this weird spot because there's puzzles. They're not super obvious. Some of them are really obvious. Some of them aren't. But it's more of a integrated into the environment kind of puzzle. And, a, oh, look, there's a rock on the ground. Pick the rock up. But then sometimes it's, oh, I have a spoon. What do I do with a spoon? I stir the thing, but I don't have a crank for my butter churner. I'm going to go over to the log that I was sitting on earlier talking about my dead mom, and I'm going to take this spoon, and I'm going to take that, that nail that was stuck in the side that they establish when you first start the game, that there's a nail that's in the side of the log, and you gotta get it, you're going to get it out at one point. You know you are. But she goes over and she uses the spoon, and you'd use the spoon to get the nail out to fix the butter turner. A lot of it is common, like, it's, a lot of, it's not moon logic completely. There's no point where you go, I'm, I screwed up, and now i got to start all over. But there's more of a, a obvious kind of simple logic pattern that you can use for puzzling. And there's some puzzles that are a little bit more difficult, but I would never say that the game is controller-breakingly hard. It's more of just an established use-your-brain kind of thing. Okay, and then we'll quickly shift over to my game, and I'm cheating a little because I'm going to say The Banner Saga, which at the moment is two games, waiting on the third to finish the trilogy. Ooh. The Banner Saga is, is a mishmash of different genres at different points. It is a isometric tactical RPG. It is also part visual novel and choose-your-own-adventure game, and it is also a resource management game for your clan. And these shift at various points in the narrative. Basically, this is in a Viking-inspired fantasy world where there are humans and then there are Jarls, which are these, like, eight-foot-tall 
monster men who have horns growing out of them, and they were like the first beings that were conscious in this world. And as the story goes on, you'll also meet, there'll be like wizards, and there'll be centaurs, and other things. And basically, you collect a bunch of heroes through the story, through the choices you make, or you lose heroes as they go off and do their own thing. And you, whenever a battle comes up, you have to choose which heroes you wish to go to battle if they haven't been injured from a previous battle, and then you have the tactical RPG element where you have to use abilities, fight, and have them move and position them around the field to defeat enemies before they can hurt you. They've got a, a pretty interesting idea where armor isn't a factor of to hit, but it's like a prevention of damage. So you can either attack their health or their armor, but if you attack their health your attack has to be higher than their armor, or pretty much the entire attack is pointless. But you can attack their armor to lower it so it prevents less damage from future attacks, and it's actually pretty in-depth if you really want to get, and there's multiple ways to approach battles. And then the story... The story is super complicated. <laughs> you, you have... Because, like, the simplest way to say is, like, the Banner Saga is about uh, about a hunter who's out hunting with his daughter, and then there's an invasion of the dredge, which are these, like, monstrous, like, stone beings coming from the most northern part of the world and just rushing south, and the idea is to stay ahead of them. And you keep traveling south, fighting off dredge, and just keep heading south, keep heading south, stay ahead of the horde. Except there's also this other factor where you have this prince in a different caravan that will switch between chapters of who you're focusing on, and it's explaining this thing where they're going to investigate what's going on with the dredge, and there's past histories of, like, the guy you thought in your village was actually this great Jarl hero who apparently killed one of the dredge captains, which is supposed to be impossible. And then there's this big, mythical, epic journey going on, and it just kind of keeps going, and the world keeps expanding and expanding as you keep traveling and more wrinkles going up. And all the time as you're traveling, it's done in this side view where you just see your entire caravan just walking forward with a flying huge banner covered over all of them. And it will kind of reflect how many people you still have alive left in your caravan, because it'll show how many clansmen you have, how many fighters you have, and and how many Jarl you have, and all these other categories, and it'll pretty much show them all traveling in a line. And every day that goes by, you lose a certain amount of food, and you have you either have to keep foraging or you have to buy food, which you do with renown, which is something you... I'm trying to explain, like, every factor of it, but it's this really complicated thing, but the story is the main reason that I really love it, because, like, all the factors work, but the story is this long, epic thing about basically the death of the world, because the dredge, while they're they're personified as an enemy, they're also kind of just a force of nature. They don't speak. They They have, like, a society, or, like, you can sort of determine things about them. There are mothers, there are children, there are warriors, there are different varieties, but they all just come in waves, and that's how they're basically described. They just come in waves from the frozen north, just coming down south, and as the the saga comes on, you realize, oh, it's revealed, oh, there is something that is, like, ending the world. This is, like, an apocalyptic story, and there are, of course allusions to, like, a metaphor for climate change and the like within all that. 
I always choose like super complicated games or like in-depth games or long games to explain for this. I always feel like I never do them justice because there's just so much stuff in them. Well, you explained it pretty well for anyone who's listening. I was trying to be kind of vague with mine because I want people to go play it. But honestly, you explaining it would actually helps people get a better idea of what they're getting into with Banner Saga. Have you played it? I have, actually. I actually got the indie box for it. You know, the indie box thing where you get the physical copy of the indie game with the yeah. thing? I thought you were going to say something else after that. No, 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 no. No, I got the indie box for it, and I've started playing it semi-recently, but I got distracted with other games just because I have game ADHD. But I was really enjoying how the battle system worked, and the Renown thing, I, I went, yeah, I know that I almost spent all my Renown on food at one point on accident. I had to restart. I'm not real good at it. I'm not, I was actually doing okay, and then I got upset because one of my characters died, and I just went, I'm going to take a break for a while. Although it is kind of random, like, how people can die, because sometimes, like, the, they fix this in the second one, but in the first one, like, you could die in a story moment that seemed rather random. Yeah, and it's really annoying. And some characters, if they die in battle, they're dead for good. Other, Some people, they're just on the bench for a couple of days as they heal up their injuries, so. And they don't really, it was the only thing that I didn't like, they didn't really establish who is able to die in battle just because and who's going to die in a story moment. And I I was a little, I wasn't turned off by it, but I was going, oh, I guess, all right, I guess that's what, how it works. As far as I can tell, this is kind of like, I, I don't know if it's their first effort, but it, it was for, if it's this developer's first efforts, but it's like this development team's first effort, first game, yeah. that I know. And the second one, I think, like, we have, like, a, a lot of stories about combat or a lot of games about combat. And I said when I when I was, like, hyping this game up on my end-of-the-year list when it came out, I thought this is, like, the first game that I could call, like, a war story. Like, all the others are just combat stories or battle stories. This is a war story because it just seems to encompass the totality of all the devastation. Because you are just – you're playing – for half the game as refugees. Yes, they yeah. fight off and they fight off uh, like the dredge, but they're running away. They've fled their homes. And in the second one, it becomes very clear they're refugees when they have to enter camps and enter places they're not welcome from other humans. I think because complexity is a hard thing to convey in media, that length benefits it. But most RPGs, when they just do length, it's just more stuff. It's more, yeah. you have to go here and get the thing, and then you have to give that thing to this guy, and he'll give you a thing, who, which will then go help you get the doodad, which will get you the hammer, which will break the rock, which will get you the magic feather, which you can tickle the gnome to take his hat. And But here, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's repeating. Even the battles are all set up and have different wrinkles. Some of them have their own story moments where, like, okay, we've almost beat them, and then, like, the big bad, like he's the dredge version of Achilles, will walk out forward, and suddenly, oh, this battle's dynamic has changed entirely. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, though. It's a very interesting title, and I like, from what little I've played, I think it's, it's a really good piece of media. <laughs> <laughs> well... Those were our suggestions. That is Milk Made of the Milky Way and the Banner Saga 1 and 2. Yes, I cheated. Yep. <laughs>
This has been a production of Critical Distance. If you like the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. Give me feedback, give me suggestions, give me criticism. I would love to hear it. And if you like the work and all the other work we do at Critical Distance, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash critdistance. We'd especially like to thank our Patreons Ashkan D, Brendan V, David K, Joe O, Nathan G, Ted D, and Thene A. Thank you for all your support, and thank you, Red Angel, for coming on and sharing your game with us. Not a problem. I'd love to establish better platforms for little indie games just like this on my YouTube channel over at Red Angel. It's been a blast. It has.